Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome to the Special Education Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. A few months ago, it seems like a lifetime ago, we met with my friend Sarah Plattenberg of Educational Advocacy and Consultants. And Sarah is an advocate that talked to us about how to prepare for the beginning of the school year with your child that's on an IEP. Today, I want to kind of come full circle because here it is the first week of May and I want to talk to you about the end of the school year. How do we prepare for the end of the school year? What should we do to wrap it up, put it to bed and get ready for next year? The kind of theme to today's episode is getting organized so that you're ready at the beginning of the school year next year, and also getting ready for summer to start and for that start of the school year. So we're getting organized and we're getting ready. That's what we're gonna talk about today. Let's wrap up the school year. Man, oh man, am I happy for this year to be over. I'm sure that you are also. Okay, so I have a little checklist here in front of me, and we're just going to tick right through it. I don't want today's episode to be too terribly long because I know what May is like for you. It's the same way for me, um, and it's busy. So let's get right to it. All right. The first thing that I think you should have is progress reports and data. So if you don't have that stuff, and if it doesn't come home at the end of the year in a report card or someplace else, shoot a quick message before the teachers leave school. So just ask, could I please have the data for, from the end of the year? Easy peasy, shouldn't be a problem at all. You just wanna make sure that your record is up to date. Now there's lots of reasons why you might wanna have this. And one of the biggest reasons is so that we can watch regression over the summer. We can watch to see if your child loses skills that are on that IEP from May to August or September when they go back to school. So what does that look like? What is that regression? And then the recoupment, are we gaining um, progress after a couple of weeks of instruction? So when we go back in August or September, is your child making progress um, from you know the first day of school, two weeks in, did we kind of regain the skills that were lost? That information is really key to um, looking at extended school year services and other um, kind of progress monitoring based um, services that are available for children that are on IEPs. So get your progress reports and data. The other reason you should have it is because you simply should have it. This is a nice kind of um, 
date on a calendar, right? It's the end of the school year. No matter if your school year ends in May or June, or even if it's a year round situation, it's nice to have it at that traditional end of the school year so that you know, this is where we started the year, this is where we ended the year. This is the beginning of the IEP. You know, I kind of think about dates. So like IEPs start on all different dates of the calendar year and the school year, right? So some people have their annual meetings in October, some people have them in May, some people have them, you know, in any month of the year. But I like to look at the beginning of the school year, I like to look at the end of each semester, and I like to look at kind of the date that the IEP was started and stopped. Um, so those are kind of the dates that I look at specifically. Okay. Then I think it's a great idea to take data of your own. So I've talked about progress monitoring lots and lots and lots. If you've been on any of my webinars, we talk about progress monitoring. I have a webinar that I do from time to time that is how to take progress at home. But for the purpose of today's podcast, what I will say to you is somehow, some way, record how your child is doing on as many of your child's IEP goals as you can record, right? So I am not an occupational therapist and I do not know what line orientation looks like. I do not know how to grade my child on um, handwriting and that sort of thing. But I sure can have my child write something and then keep it so that I have something that was done at home that says, this is how we were writing at the end of the school year in fourth grade. And that's very important information to have because we can track what we look like at the end of first, second, third, and fourth grade. Um, if it's something as easy as, you know, sight words where you're just doing flashcards or single digit math problems, where you're just, you know, handing them a worksheet or playing a game with math problems or something like that, then of course you can calculate a percentage. You know, if you have 40, um, problems or questions and you get 20 correct, then you score a 50%. So it's really helpful to have that data from home. Remember, you are a part of a team and in order to weigh in on team discussions, it's important to have your own objective information. And so by taking data at home, you have objective information and you can compare it. You can talk about how skills are generalized at home or how your child is assessed on their IEP goals, et cetera. So there's lots of benefits to progress monitoring. I go into detail on that and some other stuff that I've got out there. Um, but for the purpose of today's podcast, simply take data at home and record it someplace. The third thing that I think is a really great thing to do is to update your binder. I always say, do as I say, not as I do, because I do not update my child's um, binder, but once, maybe twice a year, I always do it in May. And the reason I do it in May is honestly because I'm tired of looking at it and I like to have things organized. We have to organize um, around this time of year because we usually have somebody new coming into our house. We usually have a summer babysitter and so we like to get things organized, you know, get all the crafts in one place again and get all of the toys put away and pieces put together and games and that kind of thing. And so it's just kind of natural, honestly, that I stick Jack's paperwork in his IEP binder. Um, and this really serves me well because 
I, my family in particular, we are summer people. We love the pool. We love being outside. And so we use um, June, July, and August, which is kind of summer here in Kentucky, for a break, a complete detox. I really believe in summer for kids. And um, while we continue to read and we continue to keep up on skills with Jack, we really reduce the demand on him in the summertime. And so when I come back in, you know, the beginning or middle of August and start to prepare for his back to school communication and, and that kind of thing, it's so, so helpful to have everything organized in my binder. If I had to do that after my kind of mental detox and my break, I quite frankly would be um, a little bit confused about how to do things forensically, right? Like backtracking. So a similar situation would be your taxes. If I go um, quarterly and don't look at any of my accounting until three months have passed, it's really hard for me to remember, oh, whom did I take to lunch that day? And um, what was that Staples bill for? And that sort of thing. And then I have to work harder to match the receipts to the credit card statement and all of that stuff. If I do it monthly, it's way easier to keep track of. So update your binder, get everything hole punched. You know I like my color-coded paper clips. Put your paper clips in there um, and get everything organized. It's just gonna get you on the right track for the school year. The other thing it's gonna do is it's gonna help you make your summer plan. And that's actually the next kind of check mark on my to-do list. So make a plan for the summer. Now, what does that look like? Like I said, we really seem to reduce the demand on Jack in the summertime. But what I like to do is I like to take his IEP and I like to look at fun ways that we can work on his skills. And so I, I've said this before, um, we have a little cart and it has all of Jack's goals written on it. And then it has two or three different ways that you can work on each goal, just kind of plopped there. And the reason I do that is honestly, it helps me stay organized and it helps me um, be able to work on something for 10 minutes, you know? So if we are ready to go someplace, but we don't have to leave for 10 minutes, I just pop over to the cart, I grab something and we have a 10 minute activity right there waiting for us. I don't have to do anything. So I'll just say, hey, you wanna play Candyland? And I'll grab the, the um, Candyland pieces that have his sight words on them or something like that. Um, and so this is a great time to get that ready. It's a great time to get that kind of fun stuff, that fun practice together, because that's an easy way to work on skills in the summertime, but to make it fun. You know, sometimes in during the school year, we don't really have time to make learning as fun as we want to, right? Like we don't have time to write all of the sight words in sidewalk chalk or to make one of those sensory paths in sidewalk chalk because we have to fit everything else in. But in the summertime, we have that opportunity. And so I like to say at the beginning of summer, it's nice to just kind of get a roadmap for the summer work, that summer stuff. And so it's really important, number one, to have the goals written down and activities for the goals. Also, you might consider some kind of therapy or outside tutor or some kind of um, formalized work. So what's that gonna look like? Look into different programs that are available, look into different people that can provide those services, um, price stuff out. Now's the time to start to kind of get that going. 
We give Jack about a two week break at the end of the school year where we do very, very, very little. Um, and then we start to ramp it back up with some learning activities and that kind of stuff. Honestly, Jack does the best. My Jack, and this is kind of another aside to this, is knowing their personalities. Jack does best with like real formal kind of work. And so um, we just work our way through workbooks in the summertime. He likes to do workbooks and um, it's easy, it's sequential for me. And so that's kind of my formal way of making sure that we continue to work. It's just making sure that we do a couple pages in a workbook each day. Um, you wanna think about how you're going to have any summer childcare and what that childcare is going to look like by way of educational work. Does your sitter or your nanny or your um, private tutor, any of those people, do they have the responsibility to work on reading and math and adaptive skills and that kind of thing? And if they do, then how are you going to communicate that? You also might um, start to look at summer camps. You know, are there camps that will um, help your child meet your child's goals? Are there camps that will help work on reading or behavior or special interests that your child has um, and that sort of thing? And then if your child has behavioral needs or um, is nonverbal or, or something like that where you need to really communicate to the camp in order to ensure your child's success in order to help they can't support your child, um, you're gonna wanna start to look at what communication you need to put together. Do you need to put together an all about me book or um, you know, some kind of like back to school kind of email for the camp in order to do that? Um, and finally, figure out how you're gonna fit play in. You know, particularly in 2020 and 2021, we have realized that resources are low. Um, I was watching the news this morning and I heard that there's a chlorine shortage in America right now. Apparently a plant caught on fire a, a, a year or so ago. Um, and so, you know, we know that we have to plan ahead because resources might be limited in really weird ways. Things might fill up in really weird ways. Um, you know, golf courses are really inundated still right now because people have realized that golf is a really COVID safe activity. And so to the extent that you want to do something like a golf lesson, for example, or um, buy one of those little backyard, uh, as I like to call them, pandemic pools, Plan ahead, you've got to plan ahead right now. And so um, if those things are going to involve particularly your child's development, it's really important to, um, to plan ahead. So you're making a plan for the summer and that's gonna involve goals, the babysitter, camp, therapy, play, tutoring, all of that stuff. I think that's really important to do now. Now, speaking of work, summer work with your child and fitting that in. Um, if your child is attending any kind of ESY, extended school year services, and or private tutoring at school or in some private organization, it's really important to think about how you're going to prepare your child for that and how you're going to prepare the staff that is working with your child for that experience. And so does that look like an all about me book? Does it look like one of those back to school emails? Um, does your child need a social story? Does your child need to go check it out? How are we going to prepare your child for success and the team that's working with your child for success? 
kind of a COVID aside here is that might be compensatory education. You know, a lot of you have um, successfully advocated for your child to get some compensatory services over the summertime. And that might be private, it might be at school, it might be some blend of that, it might be something totally different. Um, but it's important to get your child supported and to make a plan in order to ensure your child's success in that programming also. If your child is going to a new school next year, it is very important that you schedule some kind of transition meeting. Now, I'm not talking about transition to adulthood here. I'm talking about transition to the next school. So it's really important that you as a part of the team are able to communicate, um, you know, kind of your future plans, your interests, your values, your thoughts to that next team so that you can just hit the ground running at the beginning of next school year. It's also important that you prepare your child for that transition. So does your child know the adults that are going to be there? Does your child know um, what the environment looks like? What are your child's big concerns? You know, how are we going to get through the cafeteria line? Does the, is the gym really noisy? Um, what's my reading program going to look like? How am I going to stay organized? How many kids are going to be in my classes? How am I going to switch classes? What about my locker? Oh my gosh, the lock on the locker. If I told you how many times we practiced the lock on the locker before my oldest went to middle school, I'm sure you did too, because all of my friends had um, kids with that worry. How am I going to open my locker? So Think about those transition ideas. Have real conversations with your child. Have real conversations with your child's current um, IEP team and general education teachers and everybody at your current school and facilitate those conversations between you and the new school, between the um, the current staff and the next school staff, etc. It's really important and this is something that people overlook often, often, often. So think about that transition from current school to next school and think, how are we going to do this? How can we kind of get all the pieces in place so that we hit the ground running when we start that school year? And finally, this is something that I think is really, really important. If it's not important to you, then no pressure to do it. But I like to get my teacher, my teachers, my son's teachers, um, end of the year gifts. And the reason why, and I've talked about this before because I subscribe to the mentality of taking gifts to IEP meetings, the reason why I do it is because um, I live here in Kentucky, we have Southern values in our house, and to me, it's nothing more than a thank you gift. If it feels gratuitous to you, if it feels like you are kind of buying the teacher's love, then certainly don't do that um, because it doesn't feel genuine. It feels disingenuous to you, um, so don't do it. But um, to us, we like to say thank you to our teachers. Um, I was a teacher and I found teaching to be thankless. Sure, kids walk up and give you a hug. Sure, parents say thank you for a great year. But um, in most professions in the kind of corporate world, people are reviewed at least annually. And then in a lot of fields, there are kind of quarterly bonuses or monthly bonuses or year-end bonuses that are performance-based. In teaching, 
that your teachers are on this pay scale that says if you have this many years of experience, this is how much you're earning. And if you have this much education, this is how much you're earning. And they get evaluated probably in most states only one time per year. Um, and when I was evaluated, everything was always, yes, 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 great, 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 great. And I was like, well, how am I going to improve if nothing else is happening? And I wasn't getting any constructive criticism. And I also wasn't getting any specific praise, just thanks for a great school year. Um, and so I have found that teachers respond really, really well when I get very specific in my praise, which I do throughout the school year. Um, and it's just because I've come from that kind of perspective as a teacher that this is so important to me. So I've got some ideas for teacher gifts. Um, something that we like to do is we like to do something homemade. And so, and honestly, I do it because it's less expensive, but I go to, you know, maybe some like bulk um, craft supply places and I have made wreaths and um, different kinds of wall hangings. I am crafty. Um, so different kinds of wall hangings. I have done actually napkin rings and embroidered napkins one time that were very fun. I have done beach towels, aprons, things like that, that I either use a Cricut or an embroidery machine to kind of personalize for the teachers. Um, I have had Jack paint flower pots and we have done flower pots. I have Jack um, make the cards. Oftentimes we just kind of take these you know, two or three weeks before the end of the school year and we mass produce cards. They always appreciate something that's homemade by a child. Um, and it's a good opportunity for Jack to work on those skills as well. So something homemade is usually pretty easy. At the end of the school year, I always include a gift card. And I do a gift card in an amount that isn't, um, you know, like a $5 Starbucks gift card because I feel like teaching is um, a professional job and I should treat my child's teachers the way that I would treat a professional colleague. And so I would never buy, well, I would buy an attorney a $5 gift card if they, you know, like told me that my hem was falling out <laughs> in court or something like that, but not if they really, 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 really helped my child for an entire year. And so um, I usually do like um, a gift card for a dinner downtown or something like that. Um, but of course that has to be something that is affordable to your family and something that is, um, you know, valued by your family. We buy for the entire IEP team, which yes, is expensive. And so what I normally do is we usually do a plant, like a hanging basket or um, a gallon annual, something happy like a dahlia or a zinnia or something like that. Um, we have done gift cards to an ice cream shop and a coffee shop with something, you know, that might say thank you for being so sweet this summer or recharge this summer or something like that to kind of go with the theme. Um, and I do those for everybody. So all the special area teachers, all of the related service professionals, um, office staff, principals, anybody that's kind of weighed in on Jack's development, I do. And then I do the big gifts for his general education and his special education teacher. Um, 
Other ideas, summer fun is kind of fun. So, you know, sunscreen, I always say consumables, people appreciate consumables. Um, so, you know, sunscreen, towels, beach chairs. One year we did coolers, which was kind of fun, like those portable coolers. Um, we got backpack coolers. We've also done experiences. So one year we had a teacher that had like the sweetest family. And so we bought them a gift card to, um, do a really neat bike riding experience in downtown Cincinnati and lunch or dinner afterwards. And that was kind of fun. So it's fun to plan for those kinds of things. We've done Cincinnati Reds tickets and that kind of thing as well. Um, things to avoid from a teacher's perspective. My mom's a teacher. I was a teacher. I know things that teachers kind of feel overwhelmed with. Candles. My mom used to say that she could light the way from her house to mine in candles. Um, so most teachers have a lot of candles. Um, mugs is also something to avoid. Uh, teachers have a lot of mugs. And then kind of a personal pet peeve of mine is stuff for their classroom. Yes, teachers spend a lot of money on their classroom, but the goal here is not to say, hey, here's what else you can do for kids. The goal is to say, thank you personally, you the human, you the professional, I appreciate you. And so, um, you know, if you're going to do something for their classroom, I would also recommend that you do something for them, the person that has really built into your child this school year. So that's it. That is how I prepare for the end of the school year, how I recommend that my clients prepare for the end of the school year. Um, and we did it in 25 minutes or less because I know you're busy. Uh, I will meet you here at the same time next week for another episode of Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. Have a great week.